Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Creative Control with Vish Khan. Hey, how are you? Nice to be with you today. I, I have a, an interesting show for you today. I have Casey Messia, who you might know best for her time in the band Obiju. Uh, Casey is of Filipino descent, and she's raising awareness about the issues in the Philippines right now because of the various typhoons that have struck that region. And uh, she's playing a benefit show coming up very soon. I wanted to talk to her about uh, that. She's also a resident of Toronto. So I wanted to get her take on uh, uh, the whole Rob Ford situation, the, the city council thing that's been going on. I know some of you are sick of this. Uh, some of you can't get enough. It's uh, very confusing. And Casey's have been posting statements on Facebook about how, you know, guys, there's, this, there's all these tragedies in the world. Why are we spending so much time talking about this mayor situation? It's a circus. Anyway, I wanted to talk to her about that. And then to contribute to the circus, I guess... Now magazine staff writer Jonathan Goldsby is on the show. He has been in city council. He's been monitoring the meetings, tweeting about them, uh, following the Ford saga exclusively, extensively. Rather, it's a it's a good conversation with Jonathan about uh, all sorts of things. So I, I'm I'm very happy with today's show. I, I think you'll learn some things. There's going to be a song by Obiju at some point. Otherwise, that's the show. So let's dig in to the world together. What? Okay. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening All is Lost, How I Live, Bonnie and Clyde, Prisoners, Parkland, and more. As part of the Bookshelf's 40th anniversary reading series, Wayne Johnston and Mary Lawson engage in readings and discussion of their latest works on November 21st, at the E-Bar around 7 p.m. Later that same night at the E-Bar, the Strumbellas, the Bell Comedians, Boats, and Crowtown play a show. And on December 5th and 6th, Sarah Harmer, Bry Webb, Grey Kingdom, Dusted, Esther Gray, and Marine Dreams play the E-Bar for Stay Out of the Mall 12. The bookshelf is located at 41 Quebec Street at Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Set like pearls in an already Casey Messia is a musician and artist originally from Brantford, Ontario, but is currently based in Toronto, where she gained renown as the lead vocalist of a band called Obiju. Messia is also of Filipino descent and has been raising awareness about the devastation in the Philippines wrought by typhoons Haiyan and Yolanda. On December 4th, she and her sister Jenny, also of Obiju, are taking part in Hashtag Project Lift PH, a benefit concert at the Great Hall to raise funds for the stricken region. Here now to discuss this further is Casey Messia. Uh, hi, Casey. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Vish? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It's uh, nice to speak with you. Now, first off, I'm curious, how have these typhoons impacted you personally? Well, it's been difficult. Um, I My connection to the Philippines is that um, I went there when I was um, quite young. 
so I can't really remember the Philippines, but to feel this sort of pull to a country, to a motherland, and to feel so close to a geography and a bloodline is this amazing feeling. So when um, the typhoon hit, of course, this empathy and this connection turns to sorrow uh, over what is happening to the people there. So um, I'm just trying really hard to stay connected to information and stay connected to people who are working to raise funds for relief efforts there. Now, based on what you're saying, I gather you don't have family there at the moment? We do have family in the Philippines, but they're unaffected by the typhoon. Okay. So um, uh, my mother's side is still there and um you know, a lot of them are worrying about their friends and family that have been impacted, but no one directly has been impacted in our family. Okay. Well, I guess that's uh, that's something to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there have been stories uh, reported about confusion, about the death toll, the delays in, in aid reaching people who need it, government corruption that might be also halting relief efforts. What's your take on the situation there? Um, my take is that, you know, I, I can't speak to experiences on the ground, and I imagine and would, would like to um, believe that people are trying their best to get everything they can to the people that are requiring food, water, and shelter. Um, I guess the last reports were that, you know, there's upwards of 3,600 that are dead and 12 million that are still struggling for, you know, everyday basic needs. And and it's going to be a long recovery process. So I think that, you know, people are trying their best. Um, an organization called Global Medic um, from Ontario uh, reports, um, gives reports on the work that they're doing there. And it and it seems that it's it's going to be a slow process, but stuff is happening. Okay. So you're, you're optimistic that things are, I mean, the, the stories we're hearing, are a little bleak. Uh, but, I mean, that might be uh, something that the media, that's just something the media latches onto is the sort of bleak nature of this. But this is obviously a devastating situation, but you have some optimism that things are happening and things are moving along. Well, I'd like, I'd like to believe that they are. And um, the bleakness of it, you know, uh, when it first happened, I was definitely glued to the TV watching horrible stories of people losing their entire families Um and, you know, you can sit and, and um, sort of get fixated on those stories or you can um, just try and work towards uh, helping recovery um, efforts and relief efforts. Right. Speaking of being glued to the TV and the media, you actually made some statements. And, uh, we're, you and I, let's, let's be frank here, we're Facebook friends. Oh, we are. We are. Yes. Yeah, it's fun being. We're fa- more than that, though, Vish. <laughs> <laughs> we're more than Facebook friends. We're we're yeah. friends IRL we're friends. for sure. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. But we are Facebook friends, and you made uh, some statements on your Facebook wall about uh, the Rob Ford situation. You're in Toronto. Uh, you are inundated uh, with uh, information, with news items about uh, the Ford brothers and uh, the chaos they are wreaking uh, on City Hall and, and Council. Uh, but you made a statement saying that, you know, we should not be as... We're, we're really distracted by this circus when there's this tragedy going on. Can you speak to what you meant by that? Yeah, we're, we're being completely inundated by all of this forward debacle. And, you know, we have a mayor who's playing a game of semantics, and then we have, uh, you know... We have people who are struggling to survive in the Philippines. And, you know, Filipinos in the diaspora and in Toronto, um, there's hundreds of thousands of, of them. And we contribute to, you know, the economy and uh, the well-being of, of the city. So, uh, you know, it's easy to get wrapped in the soap opera of our, our you know, leadership in Toronto. But it's also... Um, important to stay focused on 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 how we can be of service and of help to those who are suffering um in the philippines we can't forget you know like we our mayor it seems like a bit of a he's losing it <laughs> and right. yeah and so it feels frustrating it just feels it feels it makes me feel kind of sick and i feel embarrassed that um, you know, that I open these headlines every now and then and read about what he's up to. Um, I just want to stay focused on on um, promoting how we can um, help those in the Philippines because it's an important cause for me. So, 
Yeah. That, that's totally fair, but you, you must, and, and I'm, we're all guilty of this. I'm guilty of this for sure. I mean, it's, are, are we wrong to be captivated by what's going on? Is, is it, uh, are you suggesting that we should, in terms of Mayor Ford, or should we just be ignoring him? No, I don't think we, I don't think that it's wrong to be captivated by him at all. And I, I definitely uh, know how he impacts my day-to-day life not only emotionally but also you know fiscally and things like that i just think that you know um when the typhoon hit and when all of this mayor uh stuff started to really uh get particularly dramatic it just felt like it was a fight of the headlines and and in my mind I I want to keep reading about what's happening in the Philippines and I don't want people to forget. So that's my fear that people are going to forget about the Philippines and, you know, read your Mayor Ford stuff. I read it also, but, but let's just um, not pretend that that, that uh, the typhoon didn't happen and, and keep, keep working towards relief efforts. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is fair of all world events. I mean, there's lots of things going on in the world. We in Ontario, well, it's not only us in Ontario now. We've we've all become fixated on this Ford stuff, and I think you're, yeah. I think you're right. It's it's a good good reminder to uh, to people to kind of remember there's other stuff going on. Yeah, and you know there's tons of stuff going on in the world, and this is an issue that I feel particularly connected to, so that's why I'm vocal about it. But yeah. you know, you know we have Syria, we have everything that's going on, yeah. <laughs> and and we have to we have to find ways to. To read about that stuff also through all of the soap opera that's happening in Toronto. Is there anything that uh, any particular city council people uh, have they come forward to, to talk about the situation in the Philippines and uh, and maybe uh, generating support and awareness about aid to that region? To be honest, I'm not aware of any council members that have been um, speaking out about it. I haven't been, you know, all of the information that I have about city council has been around. Rob Ford. Right. So I haven't been paying particular attention to any of the speeches or anything that has been happening there. Um, I know that, I guess, the Prime Minister just, you know, said that we're going to be, or Canada is going to be donating $20 million towards mm-hmm. the relief, which which seems like a significant contribution. But that's, but as far as Toronto Council, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Right. Uh you, you and I are, are, are we, we come from kind of the same place in Ontario. We're from Southern Ontario. You've, you were from Brantford originally. Uh, yeah. I, I live here in Guelph, but you have lived in Toronto for some time. Um, in terms of what's going on, because I had a guest on recently who said uh, quite plainly, uh, Toronto has the mayor it deserves. How do you feel about a statement <laughs> like that? Toronto has the merit deserves, huh? Well, because well, I, I, I'm curious because your perspective is different. You're not someone who was born and raised in Toronto, so you you have some ob- objectivity about it. But this is someone who was elected by people in Toronto, um, so clearly <laughs> uh, he, there are people. There's something maybe wrong about Toronto. Like that's what that's what the perception is. Well, Bob Ford is an elected um, mayor for sure. And I don't think that I, I come from a, a position where I I don't particularly support him in the ways that perhaps the majority at the time did, but I think that he's built a history, a legacy of of embarrassment and um, you know not to mention uh, you know experience or not to mention like he has been uh said to have been homophobic and and racist and and all of these terrible things and somehow this guy keeps pushing forward and and i just feel confused about what's going on because um i'm not so comfortable with uh someone with those qualities uh taking charge and 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 leading the city yeah it's a question i mean what we've what what americans uh what external outlets are most mystified by is how someone could do all of the things he's done and still retain his post. But so on some level, it's definitely a reflection of uh, our legislation, uh, the legislation mm-hmm. in the city. Like the, the, how can their hands be tied when someone's behaving this way? However, I'm uh, behaviorally, I mean, this is a city you live in. Uh, this right. guy, this guy represents the views of so many people that voted for him. Right. I've said on many occasions, like, one of the reasons I, I, in recent years, I've said, 
you know, my wife and I were considering moving to Toronto, but then they elected that guy. I'm a little <laughs> wary of being surrounded by people who may have voted for someone like this. And that's right. why I'm just curious. You're in the same position. You're you're not from there and, and you're there now. It must be, it, you say you're embarrassed and ashamed, but it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's very strange times to, to live there, I imagine. And uh, also, you know, I, I just think that you you must have a perspective on it that uh, born and bred Torontonians don't, because you you chose to live in this place where people voted for this man. Well, I chose to. I came here um, from Brantford, uh, seeking opportunities to pursue arts and university, and and I wanted to live in a bigger city that uh, offered more of an, a multicultural perspective and all of these things. And um, at the time. Um, Rob Ford wasn't the leader of Toronto when I moved here. And I've experienced the shift from Miller to Ford and have uh, felt the swing to the right. And um, it, it's had some, I guess, devastating impacts on, on um, the arts and culture sector, for sure. Um, I think that it's a t it feels like hopefully this is a time where we're going to somehow shift back to, you know, center left, you know, it, maybe people are getting tired of of uh, these, um, I guess, I don't know, the, the debauchery that's happening <laughs> at city council right now. I don't know. I, I, was, I saw the video of him plowing down the, the councilwoman and was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and I, the thing is, is that I actually work in Brantford right now. So oh, okay. I, have this, I have this perspective where I, like, leave Toronto and then go to Brantford to work at a community health center and then come back to Toronto. So it's like these shifting experiences where even in Brantford, you cannot escape Toronto politics. Um, it's part of the newspapers. It's part of what people are talking about. Yeah. And it just shows that, that um, his actions have had uh, you know, lasting impacts on not only Toronto, but surrounding areas. Well, I, and you know, I appreciate you speaking on this, given the fact that the premise of my question is like we shouldn't be talking about this. There are other things to talk about, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you were drawn to Toronto for its arts community, and uh, the arts community in Toronto, in the best case scenario, is one that seems to galvanize uh, around events, uh, around uh, uh, around each, you know, they just seem to be. It's a real community, and you've got this event coming up, this Project Lift PH. Uh, benefit. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what what's it about, how it came to be, and, and your role in it? Sure. Um, there are two Filipino Canadian um, organizations based in Toronto: uh, the Capucinan Philippine Center and the Carlos Belozon Theater. And they they were working together to put on this fundraiser called uh, Project Lift. The PH stands for the Philippines, mm -hmm. so Project Lift Philippines. Um, and uh, these two centers are gathering artists and um, different performances and auction items to uh, present a fundraiser on December 4th at the Great Hall in Toronto. Um, both organizations are heavily involved in the arts, Filipino arts community here in Toronto and have uh, impacted my artistic life in significant ways, uh, especially the Capucinan Center for Philippine, oh, Capucinan Center for Arts and Culture. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so these are the two organizations being the charge, and they asked me to participate. And without question, um, I said yes. Okay. And the, the you now you and your sister uh, were in a band called Obiju, and you retired this band in September. Um, yeah. So what will you and Jenny be doing at this show? Like, <laughs> what kinds of material will you be? What what, what material will you be performing? Well, I imagine that we probably will play you know, an Obiju song or two, uh, you know, that's so much a part of our history and music that, um, you know, we'll probably bring back a tune. Uh, we'll probably play the song Balak Bayan, uh, which was off our last record. Mm -hmm. um, it was a song that referred to Filipinos overseas and also Balak Bayan um, also stands for the cardboard boxes that people fill with items to send to their families um, back home to the Philippines, so Balak Bayan boxes. Um, so we'll probably be, be playing that song, okay. considering uh, considering the, the topic of the night. Yeah, the context, yep. Context, yes. 
Okay, so there's that, and then otherwise, uh, I mean, how long a set are we? Will you be playing? Um, I'm not sure. Organizers haven't told us how long we're supposed to play, but we have. I have some songs from a a project called Warm Myth that. Oh yes, that's right. I might bring out. Um, and otherwise, my sister and I still have to get together and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I, you and I, never got a chance to really speak, kind of on the record, about uh, why Obiju was retired. Um, can you speak to that now, and and maybe talk a little bit about that final performance uh, that took place in September? Um, Obiju retired because it just felt like it was time to. We had been together for, you know, eight years, I think. And, uh, you know, as we were aging and as, you know, lives were changing, it just wasn't uh, something that fit into all of our uh, desired uh, lifestyles. So uh, it it becomes really hard to play music when you're in in such a large band, um, member-wise. And it becomes difficult to sustain financially in some ways. So, uh, and creatively, we all wanted to explore different things. So it just... We just ended it, and and we ended with a show that was the perfect, uh, I guess, summation of our career together. We had friends that uh, participated in a lot of projects we were involved with, play, and participate. So it was it was a very bittersweet ending, but um, it was perfect. I thought. Right. Okay. And 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 the plan for you is to. You sound like you're quite busy with your work, but are you planning to uh, do more music and are we going to hear more releases? Yeah, I definitely plan on um, playing music still. Uh, I play in a group called War Myth with Kieran Adams from Diana. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just writing right now. And and yeah, music is so deeply a part of who I am and I will continue to write and record, but no no definite timelines for sure. Yeah, okay. Now, there are other performers on this uh, bill for the uh, Project Lift Philippines benefit we've been discussing. Um, can you talk about their involvement, who they are, and, and maybe why they might be involved? Do you know? Um, yeah, well, Maylee Todd will be playing as well. Uh, Maylee Todd is a Filipino-Canadian artist from, um, well, she's half Filipino, from from Toronto, who has, uh, I don't actually really know what her latest album is called it. Uh, it's slipping my mind. Oh yeah, but... I, I I know what you're saying, and I I'm also it's also slipping my mind. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, she's just put out a solo record, but she's playing uh, in this context uh, under the name Malu. Yeah, I so I guess this is an, an, a solo, another project of hers uh, that she's presenting, and I've seen it before, and it's great. So, and there's also a group called Datu. Uh, which was formerly Santa Gorilla, um, and they're sort of a Filipino collective um, based out of Toronto that play really amazing music. So I know those three, oh, us together are confirmed, but I'm not sure who else. Right, okay. Now, and I just re- I just uh, remembered, I believe, I should look this up, but I believe the Melee Todd record is called Escapology. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's totally right. Escape, Good one. I think it's Escape. Did I come from your brain or the internet? No, I, the internet. I, well, I remember that the last record was called Choose Your Own Adventure, and then she put out something called right. Hieroglyph. Let me just look it up. I'm just going to look it up. I, this, I'll look it up while you're talking. I think it's Escapeology. I think I think you're totally right. Uh, yes, yes, Escapeology 2013. Here it is. Yeah, I found it. Sorry, Maley, we 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 forgot. Your record name, but it's uh, that's besides the point. It's fine. We figured it out. It's good. So yeah. Maylee's doing her thing, and and that's good. Okay, so that's the evening. Uh, how can people help with this cause uh, otherwise? Well, people can donate money. I think that every the consensus uh, from friends and from family and from reading uh, different articles on the internet about uh, best ways to donate to relief efforts have all said that money is the most appropriate donation. Uh, so you can donate through the Canadian Red Cross or through an organization called Global Medic. Um, and all of those funds will be matched by the Canadian government. Both organizations are trustworthy and experienced. And, you know, these giving money um, allows people who are on the ground in the Philippines 
to uh, decide where those funds are best allocated. Right. So don't send old clothes and like teddy bears and stuff. Send money so it can turn into something of great use. Uh, as opposed to something of great waste. And you <laughs> and you feel like these these organizations are are actually going to get the money where it needs, like the Global Medic and, and Canada Helps. Like these are places that people, uh, th- this money will get to where it needs to go. Because I we keep yeah. hear we I keep hearing stories about how, uh, you know, this money is going to the government and then it's not being uh, distributed to the right places. Right, and I, I hear a lot of people saying that. Also, I even hear like the hesitation for finding a trustworthy organization is preventing people from donating. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm always uh, err on that donating is better than donating. Something is better than not donating, donating anything. And global medic uh, provides uh, tax receipts, I believe. Okay. And um, so Canadian Red Cross and global medic are pretty big organizations and you can track the work that global medic is doing on their website globalmedic.ca so you can see what the funds are being used for and um, I would suggest those two organizations okay that that makes sense now uh, before I have some I have a frivolous question for you because I, I I'd like oh. to I'd like to wrap this up but I it occurs to me that the event is called hashtag project lift pH hashtag everyone is putting hashtag in there, <laughs> like song names like they're just like yeah I'll just put a hashtag in it and I, right. I think that's interesting that the, the event has actually got a hashtag. And this is just for people who don't know. This is for Twitter. This is for uh, and, and Facebook now. You just hashtags. It's the number sign. You put it before your thing, and then you right. just instantly create a thing that is uh, shareable. I guess is that the what do you what's your take on this? I'm not sure what the take is on it. I wasn't a part of the naming of the fundraiser, but I do assume that is exactly what you're speaking of. That you know, hashtag makes it a searchable thing on on Twitter, a shareable thing on Twitter and other social media outlets. And, um, yeah, I just think that that's the language of, of social networking and, and, um, there's the hashtag. Yeah. I know. Like, am I, am I being old to think it's a little silly or, or what? I don't know. I don't know how to react to this. It seems a little odd, but I mean, again, totally makes sense. It's somewhat logical, but it also seems kind of odd that that's a thing that everyone's doing now. I'm a, you know, I, I, I don't have any, um, big opinions on it. I'm not like. Would you for the warm mist? Wrapped up in this? Sure, but for yeah. the for the warm mist album, would you consider just putting a hashtag before the name of the album? No, because I I speak other languages also. Like <laughs> I think that I think the language of the internet is one thing, and and you know I partake in it. I've hashtag for sure, probably without really knowing exactly what hashtag is. Right, but. But, uh, you know, like I don't write letters. Actually, I don't write letters at all. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't write. Yeah, I just don't use hashtags in my, in everyday, my sure. everyday conversations. Sure, who yeah. does? But some people are. Some people are actually saying, you know, uh, this sandwich is, is excellent. Hashtag cheese. They'll say that. I've heard it. Oh, really? Yeah, people are. Well, then that, that, that becomes a scary thing. And I assume that you'd, you, you fear for your child's you know, future uh, conversations and don't want him to be talking about Well, hashtags. yeah, I'm hope- hopefully by that point that, that we won't even be talking about hashtags, but who knows what we'll be talking about. You can't, you can't worry about that. I mean, things change and, uh, I mean, he knows how to use yeah. our, he knows how to use our phones, so he's already, and he's right. two, so, yeah, you, right. can, you can't fight stuff like that. Anyway, we've, we've digressed a little bit here. I just want to say once again, uh, Casey and Jenny Messia are performing together at hashtag Project Lift PH. <laughs> a benefit concert at the Great Hall to raise funds for those impacted by typhoons Haiyan and Yolanda in the Philippines. Uh, this event takes place December 4th. also features uh, Maley Todd's solo project, the Malu, and a, a band called Datu, DJ Barbie, and more. And for more information about this, uh, you can visit uh, eventbrite.ca. That's event, B-R-I-T-E.ca. Or to donate directly, p- please visit canadahelps.org and globalmedic.ca. .ca. Uh, Casey, before I let you go, is there a song that we can play uh, for people to hear? You mentioned one that might be fitting uh, by Obiju. Yeah. Why not play Balak Bayan by Obiju? Is that okay? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. I, I, think, I, that, I think that makes sense. I know you're trying to step away from the band on some level, but it seems appropriate. 
Oh, no, I'm proud of that song, and I'm proud of the message of that song, so so please do play it. Okay. Casey, thanks so much for the time, and uh, best of luck with this event, and, and uh, it's always nice to talk to you. Hopefully we'll speak again. Thanks, Beesh. to look five years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Jonathan Goldsby is a staff writer at Now Magazine in Toronto, where he writes about politics, media, local news, and more, as the situation with Mayor Rob Ford and Toronto City Council becomes increasingly surreal and disturbing. Goldsby's Twitter feed has been indispensable, as he provides biting, insightful coverage of virtually every aspect of the mayor and his brother, Councillor Doug Ford, and what they've been up to. Here now to discuss the latest developments is Jonathan Goldsby. Uh, Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you've been covering the chaos at city council meetings. Uh, Can you talk about what it was like being in the room this week as the mayor had most of his power stripped away from him, but he still found a way to literally tackle one of his fellow council members? It's amazing how they keep raising the stakes. There have been so many incredible Rob Ford incidents and scandals over the years. Uh, there's a Rob Ford incident file, public Google Doc online, that lists, I think we're up to about 120 as of last week, 73 of which were prior to uh, this past May, the, the crack scandal breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so pe- so many people are getting into the story now, and I feel, you know, at first I felt bad because, well, they, they've missed, you know, the years and years of, of buildup to this point. They missed so many extraordinary incidents. But just in the last two weeks, uh, it, it's been the best, it's, I mean, the best slash worst it's ever been. Uh, it, it's, it's been really, you, you feel you, you're watching, if not history, then at least YouTube history. Um, the cla- classic clips of Rob Ford that we've watched over the years that, you know, com- compiled highlights slash lowlights from his 10 years as city councillor have now been eclipsed by a whole new canon of um, awfulness. Um, but I, I, I unfortunately uh, missed him bowling over Councillor Pam McConnell the other day because I was still dazed from just moments before his disgusting tirade at specific members of the public gallery. Yeah. He, ha- he had come around in, uh, in what was either somewhere between intimidation and provocation or probably a combination of the two. He had marched around the public gallery with his new, new uh, bodyguard slash driver in tow, directing his, uh, his driver to record or take images of particular people in the crowd with his iPhone. And the public pr- pretty quickly caught on to what was happening and uh, it got a little unruly. Francis Nunziata, the speaker, called a recess. Count, uh, the audience started shouting shame. Uh, Doug Ford joined in uh, berating members of the public, and it got to be this incredible, this, this level of ugliness that, I mean, I'm glad to have seen with my own eyes. I'm glad to have recorded it. I'm glad other people could see it. But it was really awful, and I kind of wanted to cry for a bit yeah. to actually watch elected officials it was worse than taunting, and it was it was almost worse than berating, but it was just expressed such incredible anger and contempt toward the people whom they represent, and to explicitly tell these people whom they represent that you're not real people, you're you know in the you know different degrees of fake. They say you know union interests, special interest groups, you're milking the system with with no evidence of any of this. And it, it's, it's dera- it was pretty deranged and upsetting. And so after um, Rob went back toward the front of the room, Doug kept getting this, Doug got in a shouting match with someone else in the public gallery, and that's when Rob charged back around and, uh, well, I was recording Doug. Uh, someone else, I saw it from uh, my colleague Ben Spurs footage. You can actually see in the background of this Doug Ford fight, um, uh, Rob Ford running into Pam McConnell on his way to join his brother. Yeah, we've all seen that uh, footage now, and it's uh, it's pretty shocking. I, I, you know, I the the utter lack of decorum is what's really mystifying people. Like with with all these American media outlets are swarming around them. Are you actually surprised by how Rob and Doug are conducting themselves in their interviews? It sounds like you are. It sounds like you you're saying they've raised the bar for how, I don't know how to put this, they've raised the bar for how low they can go. Yeah, or, they, or they've, uh, yeah, they, they, they've raised slash lowered the bar for themselves. And I keep using this, this slash this because 
there is that 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 dual aspect at the same on one hand it's everything in this is new heights of comedy and new lows of cynicism to every little bit of this and that on one hand it is as grand a show as we've ever seen on the other hand it's actually reached the point where it's kind of depressing i've long been a strong believer in entertainment value being a key component of politics and a key component of getting people engaged and interested and trying to actually, I don't know, act, and trying to get actively involved in, in shaping the world around them. But now we've gone to a point where, I don't know, the, the, it's sort of gone beyond entertainment into this sort of overall sadness where instead of just, you know, pushing at the edges of the structures that keep democracy functioning, they've pretty much dispensed with any notions of, I mean, decorum is a nice way of putting it. They've, you know, they, they it's a contempt for, not, it's a contempt for democracy, it's a contempt for all of its structures and systems, it's a contempt for the idea of representative government, and it's this incredible sociopathic uh, rampage that it would not be especially remarkable if not for the fact that these people lead, or until a few days ago, led uh, our, our city. Yeah, well, they, they clearly are exhibiting narcissistic tendencies, and I was just speaking to someone who, uh, one of her points was, she's a resident of Toronto and a musician, and one of her points was, um, you know, why are we even, we're just feeding the beast by paying attention to them. And and then there's another side of it, uh, and I'm hearing it more and more, and I'm a little mystified by, I mean, I, th- I feel like you're leaning towards this too. You're almost tired of this. Uh, a few people have said this, like, I'm just exhausted, and yet uh, I-, I am not at my fill yet, and I don't know what that says about me. Uh, I'm still compelled by this ca- by this story. But are we not, I think my my previous guest's point is, is valid. Are we not just feeding the beast by... By, by by paying attention to these two as they go on their media rounds and whatnot? I mean, I, I can't remember the number of times over the past, you know, three years that people have tweeted or written a remark that we've reached peak scandal or peak forward and, you know, they've had enough of it and we're over it. But there's no doubt that it's it's compelling and in a way it's... In a way, it's, it's important. I, I don't... I mean, there are ways to cover it better and there are ways to cover it worse but I don't think that ignoring it is itself an answer yeah. uh, I, I think I think the Fords would still be the Fords if no one were paying attention and I think too few people paying attention is what is one of the factors that allowed the Fords to get in to get into office in the first place. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, I feel like we should be really paying attention to them at this point. I mean, this is this is them uh, at their most uh, deranged, perhaps, but I think potentially at their most dangerous. Like you see, when that melee occurred in, in city council, you I understood from what I understood before uh, uh, the speaker cleared the uh, public gallery. It was it was actually uh, my understanding, and you you were there. My understanding is that it was a, a mixture of supporters for the mayor and his brother and people uh, against him. Is that right? Yes, I would say the supporters were outnumbered okay. uh, on that day, as opposed to, say, uh, last week when uh, Rob Ford sold a thousand bobbleheads of himself, where I'd, where there was also a mixture, but I would say supporters somewhat outnumbered the, you know, the, 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 the curious slash detractors. In this case, I would I would say people critical of Ford and or people just wanting, you know, a, you know, a chance to see the best show in town definitely outnumbered the handful of supporters in the gallery. Yeah. And I mean, this is just it. I mean, I, I was saying to uh, someone the other day, like, I, it, it's weird for me as someone who doesn't live in Toronto to go to Toronto and just know I'm in the midst of people that are supportive of this <laughs> This person. I mean, I know that sounds petty and, and perhaps childish. No, no, no. That, that's entire. That's in, that's entirely fair. Um, you know, recently, you know, I've I've had arguments with people. Not like serious arguments, but you know, debates with people recently about, you know, how, how does this affect our conception of our own city? How much should we be worried? Not not so much about reputation, but like, is this something that we should be ashamed of? We don't. No one, or at least I don't think it's fair to, you know, assume that the Fords 
represent Toronto broadly, even though you know that's like explicitly in law his his mandate, uh, but rather that um, you know is it fair to judge a city by its leaders and you know what to what degree does what in what way would that make sense? So when four you know after he admitted smoking crack cocaine and the forum research poll had him at about, you know, 40% or so approval rating, which is more or less where he suffered. I, I would say, um, yeah, no, I, I, I judge Toronto harshly. And I know I would judge, I would have, as I would have judged, say, Montreal harshly had, you know, it's, yeah, it's mayor admitted to, you know, all the various corruption things and not resigned and, and the people there, if they had approved of him on that. Um, I think, but I don't know. I, I, I guess now, now that it's down to about twenty percent, twenty thirty percent of people approving of Ford, or at least his, his base, at least as it's discussed popularly, has gone down from about high thirties to about twenty. I, I'm a little more encouraged. I think in any given population, there will be twenty percent of people who are uh, who, who are pretty much crazy. Right. And I, I, at a certain point, I sort of got I, I you know got tired of trying to couch it and or psychoanalyze it further. I mean, the, at this point, the people who are supporting Rob Ford are stupid or crazy or both. Right. Okay. Let, let's get back to some of the media appearances that have occurred in the last uh, week or so. Uh, how would you compare uh, the Ford brothers' interviews with CNN and, and NBC's Matt Lauer on the Today Show with uh, Peter Mansbridge's take on them uh, on CBC? Um. Well, obviously, obviously they're different sorts. They, each one was a fairly different approach to to interviewing. I, I didn't I didn't mind the Mansbridge interview as much as a lot of people did. Uh, I felt he I got I got the sense he, he was pushing as far as he felt comfortable pushing without the risk of them abruptly ending the interview. Because with I, I think with them that's that's you unless you're especially if you're not doing it live, that's always a risk with them. If yeah. you're, you'll say something and they'll be like fuck this and they'll Whatever I don't, I, and so I felt like he was slowly, he, he was he was slowly um, exploring, getting to touch on a number of topics, and it was you know nice to see an interview with them that was that lengthy, except for say Stephen LeJou. I can't recall the last I couldn't recall the last time they'd actually uh, spoken to any one media outlet for that period of time. Um, the Matt B. The Matt Lauer interview was, of course, you know, he, he has nothing to he has nothing to lose. I mean, he's happy to. I mean, it's not just burn bridges. I mean, he's you know he, he's doing a five minute segment. He has it's it's better for him. It's it's much better TV if they they do storm out. Um, you 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 but, feel uh, that you feel that Mansbridge was being a bit more diplomatic, just given the fact that you know he's in Toronto and uh, it's just a it's a it's a more delicate situation for him. I was surprised they they did an interview with the CBC in the first place, just because yeah, you know that's an outlet they've especially Doug has repeatedly blasted, and I was surprised they agreed to sit down with Mansbridge. And I think Mansbridge probably and the CBC probably felt well, we don't want to we don't want to just you know uh, pounce on them because that would be the I was from there from the Ford's perspective that would be the obvious thing to do. We want to you know show them that we're an outlet they can trust to talk the crazy talk to. Whether that's the right approach, I don't know. I, but I, I felt, I, I, felt I, I, was, I was sympathetic to it. I felt like if I were in that position, uh, being able to talk to them, I would have obviously challenged them more because I know the subject more, but I would have been similarly, my prodding would have been similarly... Um, civil? Yeah, civil, trying to sort of push them. Because, like, 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 you know, you know how... You, you, you know how they react to any sort of any bit of I, guess, I mean they, I want to say provocation, but um, I mean you, you see enough patterns. You know you know how they react to different stimuli, and I think for them, or at least interviewing them, this seems to be that one of the tricks is just keep them talking for as long as possible. Eventually, they'll get into something new or different or just out and out batshit that they might not otherwise have said if they just given the, the typical canned response. Right. Right, but I mean, I'm watching their body language with the various outlets, and and just in general, it, it occurs to me like, uh, how can they be so oblivious to the fact that most people, 
even in front of them, Mansbridge accepted, are, are basically making fun of them to their face. Like it really, this week I, I was really, I hadn't really drawn the connection before, but do you know, you, you're familiar with David Brent, uh, Ricky Gervais's character in yes. The Office? Where he's just kind of saying things that are ludicrous, and people are kind of, you know, rolling their eyes, and 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 he's not even aware of it. I mean, you know, Rob Ford's making speeches about uh, people invading Kuwait, you know, and and there's laughter. People are laughing because it's just it seems ridiculous, right? I mean, do you think they're oblivious to this, or are they playing it up? Um. Well, the safe answer is it's a combination. In part, one of their defining characteristics is their lack of any sort of self-awareness. But on the other hand, for Rob anyway, Rob um, is someone who's used to being laughed at, used to being treated disrespectfully his whole life. I mean, for these days, certainly for good reason. I, I can't speak for just to his whole life. And for him, that pushes him to go harder and dry and just go, go faster and go further. He says, okay, you guys are going to laugh at me, but I'm going to find the people who don't laugh at me, the people who treat me respectfully, the people who adore me, and I'm going to fight for them. And he has this own, his own very particular, it's almost giving him too much credit to call it a class dynamic that he imagines that he's, that it's the, the rich elites who, that he's fighting against, or he is a rich elite, uh, but he's fighting yeah, against he is a rich, this is what I don't understand. Like, this is part of the obliviousness. He is... From a really wealthy family, he is a rich elite. I mean, he drives an Escalade. I, I don't even get it. It doesn't make it. Nothing of, about this makes any sense, and that's why yeah. I, I don't understand how they. How can you be that oblivious and, and so not self-aware? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, on the one hand, Doug is very, very openly proud of his wealth and success, and very conspicuous about about it. And Rob doesn't un, just simply doesn't understand that he's rich and privileged. I mean, it's not by itself unusual for a person to not grasp their own privilege, but to Rob, I mean, he's someone who he fights against all those things that he is, or at least he thinks he, he sort of directs himself uh, to lash out at all sorts of things that he's projecting. He fights against, you know, the rich, the well, the, the rich and the elite, uh, you know, again, he, you know, calling people when he calls people liars. I mean, he's obviously he's, you know, I, I I can't think of another pathological liar more spectacular. And that's one of his first things he ever goes at. You know, you guys are all liars, or in this case, you guys are all you know on drugs or whatever. His his typical mo- method lines of attack are all accusing others of being the things that he is. Right. And I mean. In simple terms, it's hypocrisy, but it's all—it's—it's it's a kind of derangement beyond that. He doesn't—I mean, became a long ago apparent. He doesn't really grasp the concept of hypocrisy at all. Right. He has his own inverted version of the world, in which he is like the one—I guess I know—straightforward, honest person, and everyone else are you know lying, rich drug addicts. Of course, that itself could be a lie. It never sure, but uh, he, he's not very bright in the first place. No, it's very confusing. I can't. Uh, my friend and I debate this all the time. I, he believes they're being very politically shrewd. Like this is all a uh, some kind of ruse uh, that will come it's back. Possible. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I, there are people. Like I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think there's some attempt at strategy there, but I really do think they are this spectacularly stupid. At the same time, I, there are people whom I respect who believe that and who have their own informed understandings and think that a lot of this is really calculated. I, I don't I, I don't give him I don't give them that much credit. I don't give Rob that much credit. Um, Doug at least tries to be calculating. Uh, Rob maybe, but um so I don't know. It, it becomes very difficult to tease. It, it becomes very difficult to tease out what to, which things they know they're lying about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that's where that's how I feel too. Their their Sun News Network show was canceled within 24 hours. Uh, were you surprised? And, and the reason was, it basically it, just so people understand this, they they were given a show on Thursday. It aired Monday. Uh, like they recorded it on the weekend. It took them apparently. 
eight hours to record a one hour. No, no, five hours to record a one hour show. Eight hours for the crew there to edit it, and basically it was canceled within twenty four hours because uh, uh, the Sun News Network said that just production wise it wasn't uh, feasible or viable. Uh, were you surprised about this, Jonathan? Yeah, no, I was surprised. They just that that Sun canceled it after just one episode. Because I mean, yeah, as they made clear, it it was easily the biggest rating success the network had ever had. So I'm mean, surely they knew that by canceling it, uh, and, and also for stating the reason for its cancellation, being that essentially the Fords are terrible TV hosts who are who make a show incredibly impossible to put to, incredibly difficult to put together. Um, that it would make the Fords look bad, and Sun just didn't care. I mean, it's, it's really tricky to imagine just what what kind of crucible it must have been for the Sun News staff yeah. who decided that they would never ever do this again. I mean, is this is this another sign that maybe I don't know? There's so many missteps in sort of what I would describe as the conservative movement right now. Uh, is this just another? You're right. I mean, just optically, Sun doing this is really embarrassing for them and for the Fords. Yeah. Um, I Well, very few things are not embarrassing for the Fords these days. <laughs> really, so they're not, I, like, they're not, very few things do not make us find them embarrassing. Yeah. But I mean, for them and themselves, they have, you know, near, near, nearly no shame. So whether they're embarrassed by it, I don't know. Hmm. Is it a sign of a fracturing, a fracturing conservative movement? I, I don't know. I don't think Sun News really knows what it's doing anyway, and they're sort of feeling around. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily representative of the conservative movement at large, although that's certainly their aim. But I think I said the same thing is true of the Fords. They kind of, you know, stumble their way around. They rep- try to represent the larger conservative movement when convenient, and the larger conservative movement, you know, takes advantage of them uh, and uses them when convenient. But I don't think there's any... Um, there's a necessary overlap. I think there are constituencies. I think the Fords and Sun News have much more specific constituencies than, say, the Conservative Party of Canada. Right. Okay. Uh, well, the latest news is that the drug probe into the mayor has resulted in two more arrests. Uh, do you mm-hmm. do you know much about this? I mean, I read the Star article this morning. Um, it doesn't really shed any more light on the situation surrounding, surrounding the Fords and Sandra Lisi. I mean, it offers certainly more background around the uh, particulars of the Richview Cleaners, which is where uh, Jamshid Barani, who was arrested alongside Sandra Lisi for drug trafficking, yeah. uh, where, where the place he ran, and also sort of another business in the plaza. So we learned a little more about the how that plaza was used as a spot to sell and traffic marijuana. Uh, but it doesn't really... Beyond that, I, I don't think we there was there was much more to take away, at least at this stage. I mean, we could always learn something tomorrow that makes us reflect on all of this differently. Like we could learn this as part of something bigger, or some other or just some other piece of the puzzle. But by itself, as of today, I kind of you know, I read it and like, oh, okay. Yeah, this it, this whatever. This story is just unraveling uh, every day and developing every day, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, you know, we discussed this already um, to some extent, like what this all means for Toronto. I've had a couple of interesting conversations with people lately, and one person actually suggested this was an amazing, this circus was actually an amazing jolt for Toronto. You know, Toronto's everywhere in the news, for better or for, you know, it's just kind of the, uh, all publicity is good, or, or there's no such thing as bad publicity kind of sentiment. And then uh, someone else from Vancouver actually suggested that Toronto has the mayor it deserves. And uh, <laughs> and we've kind of discussed that a little bit already uh, as well, but I don't know what this what the, what the, all of this ultimately means for the city of Toronto is is obviously still up in the air, right? Yeah, no one knows. I, I've certainly been of been of different minds. I mean, a couple a few weeks ago, I wrote a story about why Rob Ford makes me hate Toronto, and then the next week, I complimented that with a story about why Rob Ford kind of makes me love Toronto. And I I don't think I mean always I, I don't believe that all publicity is necessarily good publicity, but at the same time. I, I don't even. I, I'm not sure it's fair to draw any particular conclusion about what this means for the city or how this represents the city. I think what's as much, what can be agreed upon is that Americans or others who had a very particular conception of Toronto have had that exploded open in a fairly violent way. Yeah. And at least the, and at least the Americans seem to find it pretty funny, which is just fine. I mean, whatever. But whether it's 
actually reflects well or reflects poorly on the city, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the comment that Toronto has mayor deserves is, it, it hurts, but at the same time, I, I it, it, may, it makes sense because we, anyone who had paid any real attention to Rob Ford, any serious attention to Rob Ford prior to him being elected mayor would have seen most of this coming. Yeah. Not not the crack specifically. That was that was a surprise. But he he was known to have a you know a, a long history of uh, you know ra- racism, sexism, homophobia, uh you know ego e- egomaniacal behavior, rampages, alcoholism, drunk driving, um you know, uh, suspected domestic abuse, uh, and any number of other things. And anyone who had watched him on council uh, would have imagined a a future not unlike this one if he were to become mayor. Yeah. Once again, I I, I crack, like, when the, like, everyone, most people like in the Toronto political slash media class slash any number of other groups of Torontonians knew that he, for a while, that he was, did drugs, or at least had heard that for a while. Uh, crack was was quite a surprise. Crack when that when that broke, because no one had particular, there'd been very little mention of that before. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, this is sort of the night. Uh, this is this is pretty much the nightmare scenario of Rob Ford becoming mayor, and everyone who had seen that had seen him as a counselor, tried desperately to warn whomever they could, uh, but. Uh, Rob Ford, you know, he has a or had a talent for actively discrediting uh, media or opponents who would call bullshit on him. Yeah, and he also had enough champions in the media who hadn't paid close enough attention to him, but liked his basic message. Uh, you know, the National Post. There's not not it was not too surprising that Toronto Sun endorsed him, but the National Post endorsed him as well because well they wouldn't it wouldn't have endorsed a liberal Smitherman. But all these people who you know, every reporter, every person who actually spent time there would have you know told you, you know he's he would not be a good mayor for all these reasons, was ignored. Even Sue Ann Levy or Sue Ann Levy. Uh, you know, did not want the son to endorse him. She, her pick was Rocco Rossi. Right. Uh, he dropped out of the race before the end. But I mean, like you know, and she, she's like one of at this point, she's one of his last remaining def- remaining defenders. Not so much because he likes them, as so much because he pisses off the people she hates. But um, yeah, uh, in a way, it's the the mayor that our. Our, our 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 media set us up to have. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're probably right. I mean, it's uh, I think there's a lot of people culpable in, in this saga, and uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. unfolding every day. So, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, uh, what's next for you? Are, you? are you just heading back to council now, or is the, the adventure is kind of dying down under a deputy mayor Kelly? Right. Well, I don't. I never assume things are going to die down. It's it's always. It's a pleasant surprise when they do, but it's never safe to assume that. I mean, the time it took me to pick out an orange juice yesterday, he, there was more Ford news, and he lost his TV show. Yeah. But uh, no, right now I actually have to try to pull myself away from it for just long enough to write intelligently about the Toronto Centre federal by-election. Oh, okay. Which, been, which is not the most interesting thing, but it but it has been completely overshadowed by this uh, Ford. Circus seems like almost too obvious a word at this point. It's, even shit show seems too obvious. It's a fiasco. It's, uh, it's definitely a fiasco. Yeah, Ford fiasco. Sounds like um, a, sounds like a car, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yes, yeah, an, an awful car that. Okay, I don't have a metaphor. Uh, it'll just catch, know, it'll catch fire. An, an awful think, car yeah. that gets like two miles and then breaks down. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's not even a clever joke. I'll. I'll think of something better. Why don't you work on that? You should work on that, and we'll uh, (laughs) come back to it at some point. Uh, I want to let people know here that uh, Jonathan Goldsby is a staff writer at Now Magazine. You can read his stuff at uh, nowtoronto.com or every Thursday at Now Magazine if you can get a physical copy. And and please follow him on Twitter uh, at Goldsby. That's uh, G-O-L-D-S-B-I-E. Entertaining and insightful. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, best of luck with that city you got going there. Oh, thank you so much. 
And thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.